Welcome back to Big Feels at Work, the show where mental health and addictions professionals talk about what it's like to have big feelings of their own. I'm here with the original, the one and only co-host, Gareth Edwards. (laughs) Hello, folks. Gareth, usually beaming in from Sunny Nelson, today beaming in from not remotely sunny Melbourne. (laughs) Overcasty Melbourne. Feels good, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, like a little bit closer and yeah. Feels good to be here in Melbourne. Yeah. We are talking today about a subject that's come up a a fair bit in the Big Feels at Work survey. So we have an ongoing survey where a whole bunch of listeners and other mental health and addictions professionals have kind of shared their two cents about walking this strange path of I work in the system and I also quite possibly use the system, that kind of weird two-pathed life we live. So we have this ongoing survey of people telling us what that's like out there. And I'm noticing a theme, which is something along the lines of, I'm really struggling, but also I'm fine. Don't fire me. <laughs> In other words, people who are having a hard time at work with their own mental health staff uh, and are wondering how to be honest enough about that with colleagues and managers to get the support and the help that they want at work, but not be so honest that it endangers their employment. So I'll give a couple of just the quotes that I've got here from, from listeners. How do you best signal to colleagues, brackets, diplomatically, that you're in a state of overwhelm at someone working in a government role? Here's another one from a support worker. How do you share your issues with management without them having concerns about your ability to perform your role safely? Yeah. Tough situations. Yeah. And tough situations we hear about a fair bit, right? This is, this is the, where the rubber meets the road in terms of we've got this big idea of, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had more of us in the system? Mm-hmm. bringing our own, you know, t- we talk about bringing your whole self to work. Well, guess what? Our whole self includes the messy stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of what I want to just dive in with you today about, Gareth, a little bit of the, some of the practicalities of this, but also just the, just kind of naming the the weirdness of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were talking. I was trying to think of like, I wonder if there's parallels, you know, like accountants who go to work and they've got really bad personal debt management or, <laughs> you know, like bakers who, I don't know. Gluten-free bakers. Yeah, like it is, it is unusual to be a recipient of a service that you're also running. Sometimes the day after, as we know, we've, we've talked about that before, like literally showing up a couple of days or a day or so after you've actually used the services that you're trying to make better. Yeah, people talking about being an ED on the weekend and then rocking up at work on Monday pretending it's all good. So there's a few layers to this one. I want to start with something this weirdly reminds me of. So that that particular question, how do you share, how do you be honest with your manager without them being worried about your ability to, to do your role safely? What it weirdly reminds me of is when I go to the GP to get my mental health plan. So, you know, once or twice a year I go off to the GP to get my my mental health care plan so I can get my cheaper therapy sessions. And it's always this dance of, yes, I'm unwell enough that you should definitely give me more sessions with my psychologist, 
But don't worry, I'm not like scary unwell. You don't have to worry about me. And it's such a dance because (laughs) the truth is it's usually a bit of both. Uh, And if I'm completely honest in my answers, I know that's going to press some alarm bells. Alarm bells that I just don't actually want to press because I don't find the what happens next after those alarm bells are pressed very useful. Yeah, absolutely. It's a scary bit, isn't it? Like it seems to be fine to say I'm struggling with life and things are difficult and some tender, vulnerable parts of me are having a moment. But if you then say the things that people go, now I'm worried that you're not safe, then yeah, that's that's the alarm bell. Which is exactly. bizarre because, you know, it's such a common occurrence. And, yeah, one of my experiences is just getting better at going, yeah, I'm not safe right now. Mm. I'll do some stuff about that. Mm. But yeah, how you convey that to others without them then having to intervene, stage an intervention. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, I, and I think that we do that dance kind of everywhere, right? Like, as you mentioned, it's not just your health professionals, it's... Your loved ones. What's that phrase you've got, Graham? You know, because I think it's similar to your GP, to your boss, to your partner, to your family. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna ruin it. Like, let me take you by the hand and... It's here, let me hold your hand through my crisis. Yeah. Yeah, how many of us are, like, attending to the, the impact of our situation rather than just the situation? 100%. And look, there's... We need to do that, right? Like, we need to manage that process to some degree but it's almost like it's like a version of managing up yeah yeah. so so this idea in in work context of managing up right where you're not only managing any any kind of people who you're supervising but you're also managing your manager in the sense of like you're giving them the kinds of information at the right time that'll be useful it's sort of that in a personal sense yeah yeah i'm managing all around because you're up, down, and to the side. and yeah. Ex- Exactly, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, managing yourself. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on there, I, I think, is Ooh. worth naming. And, then, and then, we, then we transplant that to the work setting. And, and there's even more going on. So I just want to name right off the bat that some of this, yes, some of this, like, not sharing and not being too honest, some of it is about shame. Some of it might be about stigma. But some of it's just about good old-fashioned self-protection. And all of that's in the mix. I want to go a layer deeper because this particular, one of the quotes I've shared already, this, um, this question, how to share your issues with management without them having concerns about your ability to perform your role safely. That person, that support worker gave us more information and it goes, it goes right to the heart of it. So um, scuba gear on because we're diving straight in. This person says, more information, okay, so a client disclosed to me during outreach that their recent hospital admission was a suicide attempt. I myself, the support worker, had attempted suicide less than two weeks prior, so I found this to be extremely triggering. However, I had to remain calm and collected and support her through this crisis. Sounds like this particular person, this support worker, they, they are talking to their manager about all this. They're talking about it in supervision. They've told a handful of trusted colleagues that they have, you know, their own stuff going on, even though they're not in a designated peer role. 
But they added that despite all that, sometimes these triggers are just unavoidable. Ooh. So someone else saying, hey, I'm, I'm suicidal too. First of all, like, there's so much in this, right? Like, this is a very rich example. First of all, this two weeks ago, I'm suicidal and now I'm back at work. My first response to that is, fuck. Ooh. And probably, like if from other stories I've heard, probably never took any time off at all. That wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, it's a good guess, yeah. yeah. And then particularly for me, this bit of I had to remain calm and collected and support my client through this crisis. And I'm really, I really want to talk a bit more about that. So the place I want to go, and I'm curious if, you know, I'm super interested what you make of it as well. The place I wanted to go first is like, again, just the weirdness of this work. So you're in a really tender state and you're being with another human in a very tender state. This encounter that is quite, special right quite uh just so needed right this person is so needing what you're there offering but that very encounter is bringing up a whole lot for you understandably uh because of your own very recent experience and then there's the context in which that encounter is happening because there's a world in which that encounter is therapeutic right there's a world in which two people who've just had a very similar big extreme experience can really nudge each other through the hardness of that. But that's not what's happening in this case. So in this case, I'm wondering how much of of this is about the context that, that in this particular instance, support worker, client, traditional mental health setting, there's this fiction in that room that you are the professional and the person you're working with is the screw up. Ooh. And those are the roles. Ooh. So you're supposed to have the answers and the professional composure, what this person describes as being calm and collected. Yeah. And any feelings that come up for you, any overwhelm, any personal history, there's just no room for it. Yeah. You're definitely not supposed to say, Fuck, I tried to die myself two weeks ago. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it, is a, it is a me too moment. Mm. But you, can't, you can't bring the empathy and the, the mutuality that you know, a lot of us know is, is the thing that helps the most and is probably the thing that helps us the most and still does. Yeah, that, that possibility that the person you're talking to who you, as the client, totally imagine has never been there. The possibility that that person says, hey, actually, whether they say, hey, it was two weeks ago or not, (laughs) but even just saying, you know, I know. Or even just like, see this, because there's so many ways that could go, right? And none of this is, there's absolutely zero judgment or prescription here, by the way. This This is like what could happen outside this context that probably almost, almost can't happen in this context maybe it can we can talk about that but like which i'm 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 mostly starting here of like i'm what i'm just really wanting to, to name the weirdness of not being able to or not feeling able to share it because there are other possibilities like so i'm just thinking about you know the first time i told a friend well actually no not the first time the first time i told a friend who had a good reaction 
that I that I was I didn't know how to stay alive. Her response was to burst into tears. Ooh. And that was so fucking useful. <laughs> now, she burst into tears for a couple of reasons, partly because she was just so sad to hear what was happening for me, but more it was because her brother had recently been suicidal. And so it was actually bringing up a whole lot of shit for her. So it wasn't, it wasn't in any way like a crafted response. She just couldn't help herself. And that yeah. was so much better than the, the, the you know, I told a, a very close friend just a couple of weeks before that and he just said absolutely nothing. So, because he froze. And so her crying was so much more useful than, than staying calm and collected and composed. Mm. But there are other models even within uh, mental health helping spaces. So I'm thinking about grassroots things like alternatives to suicide. So alternatives to suicide is a peer support, grassroots peer support response to, to people who don't know how to stay alive. Mm. And in an alternatives to suicide model, the facilitator is someone who's also going through their own stuff. And they absolutely could say in that moment, I also tried to die two weeks ago. That would be a completely normal thing in that setting. Yeah. So I'm just sort of naming that there's a, there's a, there's a real weirdness to this idea of client on the one hand, professional on the other, and this, this particularly this idea that even the idea for me and what this person's saying, because they said, you know, I had to remain calm and collected to support them. And I'm like, even the, the equation of calm and collected with support, that's an idea. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's not the only way to look at these encounters. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, and it, yeah, and the phrasing of it, maybe it's reading too much, but I had to remain calm and collected. It doesn't sound like I chose to remain calm and collected. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, the context is describing, prescribing the ways that are appropriate to respond. Yes. And I'm, I get really curious about why that's the case, because if I put myself in that support worker's shoes, I've definitely had moments of work that have triggered the shit out of me. And Sometimes the the calm and collected thing is pure self-preservation. It's like, well, if I lose it in this setting, that's not going to be good for anyone. It's definitely not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good for my job, my employment. So there's just, there's so much pressure there that isn't even about the support relationship. Like it, I'm not saying that's not in the mix. It's just like, there's a lot of pressure there. And there's a lot of pressure in our general society of, of, you know, you don't show, you don't show how you're feeling. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not judging that. I, I, I do that. I, I hide how I'm feeling all the time. Um, it's, a gr- it's a great skill. And most of us master that skill from a young age if we have big feelings. But I'm just, yeah, I'm really curious about exactly as you say, Gareth, that the I had to, I had to remain calm and collected. I guess I'm hearing most, you know, above all, this kind of bedrock of that example is this idea that as a worker, you're not supposed to be triggered. Yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, it's implicit. I don't think if, you've, if, if you'd ask anybody in the sector, they'd say, oh, no, no, of course, that's, that's, that's totally fine and understandable and acceptable. But there's this implicit idea that, you know, yeah, like, like you often say, you know, care roles are meant to have it all together and have the answer and have the 
the wherewithal to support in all situations. And I wonder if that is softening a little bit. I wonder if we are, yeah, starting to move towards a a shift, partly because of the number of us that are now entering the those roles, and also this sensibility. One of the one of the upsides, and there's plenty to talk about, maybe for another day. But one of the upsides of the rhetoric of we've all got lived experience is I am starting to see people own, you know. Hard, hard lives and tough times and bad things that have happened in a way that I've never seen before. So they're not, they're not saying I've got a diagnosis or I've used a hospital or, you know, those sorts of experiences. But they are saying, you know, I'm tender to. Yeah, I'm noticing that myself. What I'm curious about is the difference between I've had these experiences mm. And I'm having it right fucking now in front mm. of you, colleague. Yeah. And that's just really hard. The main, the main other thing I wanted to say is that's just so hard, this thing this person is describing. And it's not just a one-off, right? Because they're saying it's, it's probably going to be happening a number of times. Yeah. So it's just fucking hard. And look, again, naming that it's all happening in your workplace. Mm. One day, maybe maybe one day, a mental health workplace would be the perfect place to be triggered. You'd have just the right support on offer. Your colleagues would totally get it because they're all they all work in mental health. But guess what? That's not how it is right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to happen tomorrow. That's for sure. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I've I've had a little taste of that because I I worked at a peer run mental health agency in Auckland, Mind and Body, which was everyone from the CEO to the cleaner. Um, was mad so I did have a, a taste of what it was like to really truly know that everyone all your colleagues would get it but that's unusual that's very unusual <laughs> even when people get it there's also it's also there's no there's not many good scripts for what to do about it even if you get it go on well you know I've seen some really compassionate workplaces that in mental health and yeah, somebody's had some extreme experiences going on, and everybody gets it. They're all like, "Yeah, no, this is to be expected. You're you're in a lived experience role. This is part of your professional credentials." Is that you know, I've got a friend at the moment in an acute ward, calling it participant observation or action research. You know, like it's it's part of why we're doing the work, and it's part of the value we bring. But even once it's gotten and appreciated, there's very few sort of HR scripts of what to do about that situation. Yeah. So, you know, even when you get a compassionate response, it's, people are still left a bit bamboozled about what to do. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's really true. I wonder if we go to this question then of, because I'd like to look at this from both sides. So that, so this this questioner is saying, how do I share what's happening with management without them just thinking, oh, she can't do the work or he can't do the work. Ooh. And then I'm curious, like, the colleague on the other side of that, any advice for them? <laughs> so perhaps we could look at those both. So I'm curious, one way of looking at this is, like, as, a, as the person triggered, what are you hoping to get from your colleagues in telling them you're in a state of overwhelm? What what are you looking for when you do that? And I'm curious in in 
in both the immediate sense, like I'm, you know, I might get triggered. And if that happens, here's what I need. And then in the, in the kind of more medium term sense, like in the next few days or weeks, what might I need? If you're in a situation or had been in a situation in the past where you're literally triggered at work, what, what are you wanting from, from your colleagues or your manager in an immediate sense? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's got to be looked at holistically to work out each, each situation. So, you know, like you say, I mean, we've both been there. You've, you've, you've been at work and had your buttons pushed and like what you need could be quite wide. What you require from your workplace would depend on the mix of things that you need to, like you say, address it in the moment. So you you know you basically get yourself back to okay, and then you know longer what's required. And I think that is a bespoke package, you know. So what you do in your life to address it will then determine what you want from. Some people might be like, I don't want anything from my colleagues. I've got all that sorted at home. I just need to leave early and you know have a day off. Mm. but it might be that you haven't got it in place at home or you've got less of it so you do want more and you know you're around people who could and could be well equipped to support you yeah there's there's that leaving early really resonates for me in in the there's one particular example i'm thinking of when i i i don't know if i'd call it triggered so i mean i've had triggers for sure in terms of some of my trauma stuff so i i know what that feels like I think the example I'm thinking of was more of a, I had a very big emotional reaction to something that didn't quote unquote make sense in the moment. And it was to do with, we were doing a workshop, I was running a workshop on uh, medications, on psych psych meds and kind of looking, looking, challenging some of the dominant narrative around psych meds and kind of exploring some of the often hidden uh, stories of like how for many of us, even when they help, they can also be shit. Really trying to explore that with different clinicians in the room, different uh, consumers in the room. And it just really pushed my buttons. Uh, I'd run the workshop before I'd run it multiple times. And then for whatever reason that day, it just absolutely, I got, I got furious basically. Um, which I think, you know, if you want to do pop psychology goes back to some of the atrocious experiences I've had with psychiatrists in my own, at at tender ages, but I didn't really understand all that as it was happening and neither did my colleagues. I, it didn't come out as, as anger necessarily, but it was very clear that something wasn't right. (laughs) (laughs) And bless my manager, she she basically said, "Hey, maybe maybe you can go home for the rest of the day." Yeah, that was an extremely shameful experience. I was going to say, for a lot of us, that would also be failure as well of a different kind. So that, that's oh. what I mean. It's it's bespoke, you know. It's got to be, and maybe when you go through it, you've got to accept like there is no perfect response right now. Yes. Everything's going to be shades of bad, bad or baddest. 100%. So I suppose, yeah, I, I don't even know what the request would be. In that instance, it so happened that my manager knew me well enough to see how I was behaving out of character and kind of offered 
herself. Ooh. Do you want to go home? In another scenario, I might need to ask for that. And so perhaps it would be it would have been useful to have had that conversation in advance. I think so. I think it's wrong. And I wish it were otherwise, but the most effective approach is to to know what you need beforehand, try and establish it beforehand and certainly ask for it when you need it. Puts a lot of responsibility on us though, and it's it's not right, but it is the most effective way. Yeah, and and- I, maybe second best is the debrief. Oh yeah. You know, like, yeah, once something's happened, then like can I can we can we talk about what happened and what and how it could be better? Yeah, completely. I'm just thinking through into that because I feel like there's a little bit more there. Mm. When when I've been what I would call what I would call triggered, and perhaps is similar to what this person is describing. So when I when I've been triggered, it, it's it's like an altered state. Mm. There's just no so to your point of of you know knowing what you want and how to communicate it. There's just kind of that's that's almost impossible because I'm actually. Uh, I'm in another world. Mm. So there's something about that too. All I've done in the past with that is I can successfully hide it. Not all of us can. Mm. That's a strength. That's a weakness. I can successfully hide it and usually find a way to get out of the situation. Mm. I'm not even sure what the ask would be there. I wonder if it has to be in that regard like, Hey, here's a thing that can happen to me sometimes. The my strategy will be to leave. Mm-hmm. What I would love from you, my manager, is dot dot dot. I don't even know. <laughs> well, good manager would cover for you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what you do when you when you when you've got some care of other people, you mm-hmm. look after them, and you know, like. Yeah, if you if you tripped over a stool and landed on your back, I tell this little it's a little side thing. I remember somebody did have like a back injury at a mental health organization, and holy moly, the the response, the support, the love, the compassion, all these nurses that were dual registered suddenly switched on their physical nursing prowess, and mm. like, and then the aftercare, and it was just like wow. And I know because we were sort of we weren't in designated roles, but I know. Every weekend, that person struggled with psychosis and paranoia and suicidality and got none of that from the colleagues. But as soon as he did his backing, oh, my word, the love was amazing. Because, <laughs> you know, that Flowers and Lucas aid moment, you know, everyone could feel like they, they've got something to contribute. Yeah. So is that what it is? Is it from, some, from the flip side, is it about the fact that when it's something physical, we feel like we know what to do? I think so, because I, I was thinking about what you were saying about, you know, that holding hands, you know, and, and supporting people through our own experiences. Because mm. the, the bit where we start is, is like when they get scared, when other people are scared for us and they don't think we're safe. Mm. And I think that is a real conversation worth having so that you don't end up going, ah, oh, my job now is, yeah, I'm already feeling really in a difficult spot. And I've got to look after someone because they don't know how to look after me. Mm. And I think I think trying to get ahead of that is really important. You know, and I think when I think of our work, you and I and, and some of our colleagues, we don't we don't go to we don't get freaked out by each other's extreme experiences. 
We don't get freaked out. Yeah, we care, but we don't get scared. Yeah. Because, you know, we've established ways to to be with each other in those really difficult times and not feel like, you know, I need to know you're okay. Because you're not okay. You tell me you're not okay. I'm okay with you not being okay. That's it. It's it's this thing of if you haven't been through it, if you see me or if you fully understood how intense one of those altered states can be for me, mm. you would have no conception that that could be safe enough for me, mm. that I could even quite possibly turn up at work okay the next day. That's That's something that would be unfathomable to you if you truly knew what it felt like. And in the absence of being able to give you a short course in, you know, 40 years of my experience, then the simplest thing is for me to just not tell you how deep it goes. Yeah, and I think there's legitimacy in that. I always Mm -hmm. think this with any sort of disclosure, even if you're in a named role, even if you're a battle-hardened advocate, you know, which part of your story you tell and why is always worth some consideration. So there's something, yeah, there's really something there, isn't it? And and so back to this person's question of how do you tell the manager enough information that you get what you need and not too much that they freak out. It really depends on the manager. It depends on the relationship you have with them. It depends on how long you've known each other. It depends on their own lived experience. It's There's so many layers there. And I wonder if the most honest answer is you tell them as much as you need to and nothing more. Yeah, you tell them what you need to get what you need from them. Mm. Like this is a working relationship. Like you don't have to sort of bear your whole soul to them, you know, unless that feels appropriate. But I think I think finding what you need and making the ask really clear. Like does this does this partner I've seen it in a few conversations recently? People are like, let me give you the whole context so you can arrive at the same conclusion. Yeah. I think that's fine in general, but in these situations, like here's the conclusion. Do you need the context? (laughs) Is it cleaner way of doing it? It's like, I'm going to need a day off. Do you need to know why? Or, you know, maybe not as brutal as that, but like make sure it's clear what the ask is. Cause sadly, most managers have never been trained to be managers. Hmm. Nobody's nobody tells them how to be a manager. They just get promoted. Hmm. And, you know, so they don't know often. Yes. And and to go with that and to bring back the, the GP analogy, I find what can happen is with, with some GPs, I can tell them the conclusion, right? I can say, I've decided I need more therapy. I've been doing this a few years now, so I know when I do. Mm. Can we do the form? And they go, yep. And particularly the ones I've known for a while, mm. it kind of feels safe enough for them as well. But then if it's for whatever reason, I have to see some random GP, haven't seen them before, or in particular, if they're, (laughs) I often find if they're younger and pretty keen, they then really want to do a bunch of follow-up questions. They really want to dig in. And they want to ask what to me are completely pointless questions like, what's your diagnosis? I don't, I don't. I've never found a diagnosis useful, so fuck off is what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> what I say is something vague like, oh, you know. And it just, it's so, they're trying so hard to be helpful that it is extremely fucking unhelpful. Mm. Now, I get it. 
because on their end they're trying to tick it, tick the boxes and feel like they're doing the right thing and that's a really difficult position to be in because they don't know that I'm someone who's got it all together with with regard to not having it together. Mm. I think there's some clues, like the fact that it's not my first rodeo. Nonetheless, I get it. It's a hard position for them to be in. But I really value the ones that can kind of essentially trust me more and have done whatever work they need to to be able to trust me more. Maybe it's just that they've been around the block themselves. But so coming back to the manager example is, yeah, I can picture a perfect world in which the manager is just, just trusting that if your if you're employee's coming to you and saying, I know what I need to do, here's what it is, is that, is that going to work? Yeah, and which bit you share. Like I was just thinking, you know, so this person that is, is, is shared on, this, on the survey isn't in a named role. So, you know, talking about being triggered in that space is essentially outing themselves and they might not want to do that. But everybody's entitled to go. I had a really rough day the other day. Some mm. stuff came up. Mm. I'm going to take some time. Mm. You know, and you might need to take a breath to be able to say it that way. And, and that that's that top line of it. But if that's the safest way to do it without sort of outing yourself if you don't want to, mm. and it's, 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 yeah, what's the minimum you can say to get what you need? But again, I think that get what you need is, I'm, I feel like I'm simplifying that. Mm. That's when you go to your other supports. Yes. You know, and I think, you know, you and I have this luxury, crafted luxury, that a lot of the people we know are quite established in their own crazy journey. Mm. So there's there's people we can go to and, and navigate some of this weirdness without it feeling weird. I'm sure that after that story I shared with the medications workshop, I'm sure I would have called you after that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been worried for you. No, exactly. Yeah, you you wouldn't have been listening with an ear of, what do we need to do for Graham? So yeah, they're, they're different needs. Mm. I want to name within all this that some people will be able to have those conversations with the managers and some will not. Mm. You know, we hear from people whose managers are big fucking bullies. We hear from workplaces where any disclosure is... A bad idea Ooh. it's it's tough out there so yeah we're 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 teasing out what what we hope can be the case but isn't always the case so i just want to name that yeah and i want to i want to say the thing that i often say like if you can't you can't mm. both you and i have done care roles and found our maximum with that <laughs> and you know, and then gone back and done another bit and gone, oh no, the maximum's still there. And, you know, like, yeah, it's it's a really tough job and a tough environment. And if your insides are tough and tender too, then full permission to say, this is, I'm going to find some other way to work or contribute or be part of, part of this world. It's, I think a lot of us feel called to do this work but not to our own detriment. Yeah, completely. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, we might leave that one there. Thank you, Gareth. Awesome. You'll hear from us again soon.